Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to mini episode 299 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have one spooky story for you today and the story comes from July the 10th 2023 and this story comes from Maricela. I previously sent in a story about breathing underwater. I wanted to share some ghostly stories as well. I live in PA now but prior to this I lived in Massachusetts and grew up in Texas. We moved a lot growing up so we had many houses that were haunted. I thankfully have never seen anything. I don't think I'd recover if I did. I have many, many stories I have heard over the years growing up. It's a favourite pastime in my family to share and recount ghostly encounters. So as a kid, I'd often be sent off to bed with them fresh in my mind. I'm not sure if this is a Tex-Mex thing or just something specific to my family. Thankfully, I shared a room with my two sisters for most of my life. I've never been able to tell if a creepy feeling was due to actual paranormal presences or if it was just my creeped out imagination. People in my family are quite sensitive about the paranormal and most everyone has a story or ten. My sister had a ghost attached to her for a while with whom she could communicate. As I said, I have many stories, but I want to share a few that I actually witnessed before getting to some of the family ones. We were living in a suburb of Houston in the mid-90s, and I was a junior or senior in high school. The house in the neighbourhood itself wasn't very old, only about 25 years or so, and we had moved in about four years earlier. I'm not sure of the history of the land. It was mostly wooded, but I don't think in use before the town was built, which took place in the 70s. It was a cute house, a three-bedroom ranch, wooded lot, but the neighbourhood was dense and neighbours were never more than 50 feet in any direction. I also do not know the history of the house or who lived there before we moved in. At the time, I finally had a room to myself, as my grandmother and older siblings had all moved on and so it was just myself and my little sister left. I promptly moved into the now empty room and relished the solitude that was, up until then, very elusive. Nothing really happened for a long while, to me anyway. That is until my older sister was staying with us while she waited for her house, which was just down the street, to close so she could move in. She had set up some blankets on the floor of my room right next to my bed. The room was square and I had my bed in the far corner, diagonally opposite the door. Right next to the door on the right, if you were looking at it from the inside, was the door to the closet. I had set up my bed at an angle so that the foot of the bed was not against the wall but in the middle of the room, while the head was in the corner. My sister had her blankets tucked into the side between my bed and the door. All was well when we turned out the lights for bed. I'm not sure what time it was. Certainly it was the middle of the night because the house was quiet and everyone had gone to bed. I woke up because I felt someone grab my foot and shake it. 
as if to try and wake me up. When I woke up, there was no one there. I looked around the room. It was very dark, but I could just make out the objects in the room. I saw the form of my sister sleeping next to my bed. Freaking out, I turned on my bedside lamp. There was nothing and my sister began to rouse from having the light on and was pretty grumpy. I whispered to her, Did you just grab my foot? No, what's going on? Turn off the light, she said, obviously annoyed. Someone just grabbed my foot and shook it to wake me up. I thought it was you. I was asleep. Now turn off the light and let me sleep. She had no sympathy. Now I was really freaked out. I told her there was no way I was turning off the light and she could just put the pillow over her head if she wanted it dark. She grumbled and did just that. I didn't sleep a wink after that. I just laid there scanning the room until I heard my mother wake up the next morning. It was the longest night. When I told everyone about it the next day, they all just shrugged it off. It wasn't anything new for them. They made spooky noises and wiggled their fingers at me, but that was it. For a while after that, I read until I fell asleep each night, so I wouldn't think about it and had compromised with my sister to let me have a small light on. Nothing like that has ever happened to me again, thankfully. I have enough shenanigans in my life without the paranormal contributing. My next story takes place in the same house. I can't remember if it took place before or after my last story, but it's not really relevant. For some reason, we had visitors. My cousin, uncle and aunt were staying with us. As per usual, we were all crowded around the table laughing and talking. It was the middle of the day. Suddenly, my uncle, mother and sister stopped, got quiet, and my mother and uncle who were facing it stared into the foyer. Shortly, everyone else noticed and after a few seconds asked what was wrong. The three of them looked shocked and pale. My mother grabbed my uncle's arm and said, Did you see? Yeah, he said dryly. My sister, who was sitting with her back to the foyer, said, I heard something that sounded like footsteps. Both my mother and my uncle confirmed. My uncle explained very slowly and quietly that he heard the footsteps coming down the hallway and looked up to see a little girl peeking around the wall as if to see what all the noise was about. My mother confirmed the same. We all sat in silence for a minute and wondered who this little girl could be and why she was visiting us. I'm not sure we ever figured it out, but that house had a lot of feelings. I did not like being there alone, although nothing malicious ever happened. More recently, while living in Massachusetts, my then-boyfriend, now-husband, and I were making the big leap to find a place together. We found an amazing deal for a two-level, three-bed, two-bath apartment that had been recently renovated. It was the landlord's childhood home that they had made into two apartments. We would occupy the second and third level. Most of our daily living spaces were on the second level and the third level consisted of a large converted attic space and a small bathroom. The bathroom shower was very tiny, so it was seldom used. Mostly, this area served as a secondary TV room for when we didn't agree on what to watch, a workout room where the elliptical was kept, as well as space for my clothes and toiletries as the closets downstairs were quite tiny. On either side of this larger room were doors that opened to storage areas that were unfinished and made up the eaves of the roof. It was a great place altogether, with lots of light and close to everything we needed. We were excited to move in and get settled. Within the first few weeks, I noticed that when I got home or was home alone, I would hear walking above me. This was odd. 
as the upstairs was carpeted and this sounded like someone walking on hardwood floors. It was loud and the first time I heard it, it did kind of freak me out and I told my boyfriend about it when he came in. He decided that it was probably just echoes from the people downstairs walking around. I wasn't 100% convinced as we didn't hear this all the time. Most of the time, the upstairs area felt just fine and I did spend time up there knitting and watching my shows, working on sewing projects or getting ready to go to work in the mornings. But sometimes it was downright creepy and I would just get what I needed and leave. On one occasion, the downstairs bathroom was being retiled and we had to use the tiny upstairs shower. I could not get out of there fast enough and the next night decided I could skip the shower for one day. Nothing happened, but I felt as if something was not happy that I was in the shower. My boyfriend didn't seem affected other than having to try and squish himself into the shower that was hardly bigger than I was. While nothing overtly scary really happened there, we did have one odd incident that I can't really explain. I have this ring that I wear on my right hand that I rarely take off. Just a simple band, but somehow it's just one of my favourites. I had taken it off because I was going to make a meatloaf and didn't want it to get in that mess. I put the ring on the windowsill and made the meatloaf as usual. After dinner I was cleaning up and remembered my ring. Only it wasn't there on the sill anymore. I thought I might have just thought I took it off and it was still in the meatloaf. I took apart the leftover meatloaf but did not find it. I told my boyfriend and together we tore apart the kitchen. We even went through the trash piece by piece. I was devastated. This happened on a Friday evening and the whole weekend I was mourning the loss of my ring, silently putting out a plea for it to be returned. I hoped I would dream and its location would be revealed. Early Monday morning I went upstairs as usual to get ready. I walked into the bathroom to get ready and there, sitting plain as day on the sink counter was my ring. I was dumbfounded. How had that happened? I had not been up to the third floor since I left for work Friday morning. I had no reason to go up there, so it didn't happen. My boyfriend didn't believe me, but I know I didn't put it there. I distinctly remember my thought process of taking it off and putting it on the windowsill so I could make dinner. I never figured it out, but I believed it was whomever I had been hearing walking around up there. Now for a family story from a previous house in the south of Texas. It was an old wood frame house my family was renting. All the houses on the street dated from the 1930s to 1950s. Shortly after moving in, my uncle came to stay and occupied the back bedroom. After moving in, he described how he would hear the attic access door, which was in the closet of his bedroom, open. Then he would hear something jump down, open the closet door and walk out of the room. All he could see was a pair of military-looking boots. It never was seen or heard going back into the attic. While this didn't happen every day, it happened often enough that it was finally the norm, and my uncle named the ghost T.C. McForrester. I've no idea why he picked that name. Nothing malicious ever came of it, and perhaps that's why my family was able to just live with it, even if it was creepy. I wonder if my uncle came up with the name from the ghost itself. Perhaps that was his name and rank? I have no idea about military ranks or abbreviations, nor do I know the history of that old house. Our family wasn't there for very long anyway, so it's just been added to the list of family ghost stories. Another house we lived in was in Bel Air, in the Houston area. 
This was also a small wood-framed house that we didn't live in for long. Again, my uncle was over to help move the family in. As often happens, a spare room was picked to store boxes as they were slowly unpacked as needed. My mother said one night she needed to find something in one of those boxes and asked my uncle to help her find it. They had not bothered to put a bulb in that room's light since it wasn't used, so they grabbed a flashlight so they could see. As they were searching through the boxes, the flashlight my uncle was directing flashed across a hand being quickly pulled out of sight. Only it wasn't a normal hand. It was claw-like and covered in hair. They both turned and booked it out of that room and decided they could do without whatever was needed. She says they never saw anything again but would hear strange bumps and such. That was a daytime-only room after that and we didn't stay for very long. Maricela, after you sent your story about breathing underwater, I had such a massive response to it. So many people commented being like, I've breathed underwater too. It happened to be once that I thought I was the only one and I could never recreate it. And then other people were like, this person was drowning. That's what happens when you're drowning. But I, I listen, listen, who am I to judge the biology of clear mermaids? But just so you know, Maricela, that your your story elicited a very strong response from people and I just, I love sisters, you know. It's like you're really freaked out and your sister's like, shut up and go to sleep, you're so annoying. But what grabbed your foot? What grabbed your foot and shook it? I would shit myself if that happened to me. And you best believe, like you, I'd be up all night staring around the room, being like, if I blink, this thing is going to grab my face. And I know that you only sent in like a selection of stories, but like, did anything else happen in that house? Or was that just an isolated event? Either way, I don't know which is worse, the, something grabbing your foot or the little girl peeking around the corner of the wall to see what all the noise was about when all your family were together. And it is amazing that your mother and your uncle both saw it and clearly physically reacted, like you said, that they went really pale and quiet and then they were like, okay, this is what we just saw and that your sister heard it. It adds such a validity to the stories and even just for for them to have experienced it and be able to say, did anybody else see that? Oh, you did. Okay, brilliant. It's not just me. And I would love to know why. What is it that makes entities, poltergeists, ghosts, whatever it is, take your objects and move them somewhere else? So in that period of time where your ring was on the sink where you were making your meatloaf, you knew you'd put it there. It was a very special ring to you, so you knew that. And I'm sorry, but you would have seen it on the other thing. Like, you would you would have seen it. Anyway, in that period of time, where does it go? Between being moved from the sink and being found, where does the ring go? Like, is it just suspended in this space, in this ether? Or... Is it hidden somewhere else and then moved again? I just, I really want to know where it goes. If anybody can answer that question for me, any scientists, any paranormal people out there who actually know what they're talking about and don't just speculate like me, can you please tell me where these things go in the period of time between them being put down and them being discovered in a new location? Where do they go? And just to say, Maricela, I would believe you. If your ring went missing and then you were like, it all of a sudden appeared somewhere I would believe you. Many, many moons ago, when I was a teenager, maybe slightly older, a boyfriend at the time had given me a gold ring. Now, let me tell you, it was not worth anything. But it was a gold ring and it had sentimental value to me. And I lost it. Couldn't find it. 
I felt like I'd put it somewhere safe, but I just couldn't find it. Couldn't find it anywhere. Did all the usual bits and bobs, like said a prayer to St. Anthony, you know, the whole shebang. And one day I walked into my bedroom and the ring was just sitting in the middle of my bed. Just sitting there. And I was like, wow, where did you come from? And I asked my mum. She was like, no, I didn't. I didn't move it. I didn't put it anywhere. And uh, yeah, never, never understood where it had gone to, why it suddenly appeared in the middle of my bed. Never understood it. Oh, and TC McForrester, like, no, no, TC. I imagine you're lying in bed and you hear the attic door opening and you hear something jump out of the attic. I would simply dissolve. I, I that would be it. I, I would just dissolve. I would not be able to cope. I wouldn't be able to deal with it, even though I know that you said, look, it wasn't malevolent, so everyone just got on with it. No, I just couldn't just get on with it. I'd be lying in bed every night going, any minute now, that attic door is going to open and something, whatever this thing is, is going to jump down out of it. And I just had a sudden realisation that I'm sitting right under the attic door in my house and it suddenly made me very paranoid. And finally, I'm generally not sceptical about these stories or I don't try and think of a sceptical explanation but is it any possibility that it was a raccoon? Don't they have like creepy, spindly, long fingered hands? I don't know very much about raccoons, only that I've seen videos of them with their creepy, spindly, long fingered hands. Do they do they break into houses? Is it possible that it was actually a raccoon? Either way, whatever it was, I'd be doing the same as your mom and your uncle. I'd be noping out of that room and being like, this is a daytime room now. We don't go in there at nighttime. Thank you very much. Thank you so much to Maricela for sending in your stories. Remember, Maricela's stories came from July the 10th, 2023. And I just wanted to let you guys know something or make you aware of something. I am very aware that there have been advertisements on this podcast that are inappropriate for the podcast. And I have done everything that I can to get those particular ads removed when they are heard by people. The ads on this podcast are geo-specific, which means that they play certain ads in certain locations so I can't hear the ads that are being played in America for example. Now in the beginning of moving to a new host I had to make a list of things that I did not want advertised on the podcast. I made that list and unfortunately some advertisements have been sneaking through and the way that this is happening is because they are being classified as something else. I have found this very difficult as I only want things advertised on the podcast that I think are appropriate. I'm also very aware that there's there's been a sort of deluge of advertisements at the moment on the podcast. I just wanted to let people know that I am aware. I'm getting ads removed wherever I can and I am changing host provider in order to try and alleviate these issues. So I really appreciate your patience. I really appreciate all those people who have reached out and said, hey, this particular thing is being advertised on the podcast. I'm not entirely sure you would be happy with this because like I said, I'm not always aware of what's being advertised in other places and I am working on it and things are going to change. I just wanted to let people know. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you want to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra content, you can subscribe to the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.